This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Saturday morning. It is a day that I get back. I get my thoughts together. And I get to talk about the Field of Dreams and my experience in Dyersville, Iowa. Working for MLB Radio on Sirius XM. It was an experience of a lifetime and one that I can't wait to tell you all about right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home! Ball there, coming down. down! What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. It's been a little bit... As it's been a crazy couple weeks, but the podcast will continue and go and move and interviews will continue to happen as we get closer and closer to that September push where the Phillies right now, as of today, unfortunately, are just tied for the NL East lead as Atlanta Braves won 4-2 in the late night in D.C., Coming back and beating the Nationals 4-2 to as the Phillies lost 6-1 to last night to the Cincinnati Reds. A very good Cincinnati Reds team. It's not a, well, it's the Cincinnati Reds. you got to beat them all the time. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. I wish it did, but uh, it's one of the best hitting teams in the entire big leagues, and they did it. But that's not what I'm here to talk about today. Today, I want to talk about my experience working for MLB Radio on Sirius XM. Uh, I got to go to the Field of Dreams game between the New York Yankees and, and Chicago White Sox in Dyersville, Iowa. And it was asked a couple of weeks ago by the network as far as I've done a lot of shows over the last three years, um, you know, and, and being a regular host, a fill-in host and, and all that stuff. They asked me to do this, and it was going to be the pregame and postgame show with Steve Phillips of MLB Network Radio. He does the leadoff spot at 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, he and Eduardo Perez. I get asked to do this, and, I mean, it's a, a first thing I have to do. I have to check the schedule to see if the Phillies are on the road. Are they at home? Guess what? The Phillies were at home. So I sent a text to, to Rob Brooks, my, my boss, and within, I honestly can't even say it was more than 10 seconds. He responded with, hell yes, you are going. And it's a thank you that I can't say enough. And it's one that hopefully over this, this short bit of time of me describing it, well, you'll understand why. So it goes back. Brother DJ passed away in September 16, 2004. And he had spent off and on battling cancer for 19 years. 
Hence why we started 19 for Life as a family. The last eight years, once he graduated high school, I'd say last seven years, once he graduated high school, uh, he had an opportunity to go play tennis at Loyola Marymount. It was between Villanova and Loyola Marymount. He, cho he chose Loyola Marymount because of the vicinity to, you know, the close vicinity to, to the home. Uh, and as he was playing over the summer tennis in a tournament, he, he began to, to feel ill again, uh, dehydrated all the time, and he had all these tests done. And, uh, you know, the cancer had returned. And it was, it was one of those experiences where it slaps you right in the face and, and just you just don't know what the next thing is going to bring to you. Now, I'm 15 years old at the time. Uh, it's a little bit, not a little bit, it's a lot more real than it was in previous years because I'm older. I kind of have an understanding. I'm in high school. Uh, my brother's a god to me. He always was, but I think you understand it more when you're a little brother and you get older. Um, and things started, you know, tail off. Things started to, to go off the rails real quick. And it's not for some reason. It, you know exactly why, but uh, he came up with a motto as, as most do. And, and he lived by it. He lived by it every day. And that was go the distance, never give up, go the distance. Very easy. It was literally in the movie field of dreams. And that's where he got it. One of his top five favorite movies of his lifetime. Hoosiers being number one. That's both of ours is Hoosiers. But DJ lived by the motto, go the distance, never give up. Never give up being Jim Valvano in one of the most powerful speeches anyone, any sports figure has ever given. And he combined those. A family friend put it on a sign and put it above his bed, and that's what he lived by every day. So when DJ passed away seven years later, there's a lot that that resonated with everybody. Go the distance, never give up. Okay, so we start our 19 for Life Foundation on the premise of go the distance, never give up. But one day I always thought, maybe I'll get to the Field of Dreams field, if it still exists, let alone I had no idea it would. We made bands, they're red. Uh, we still have some. I have a bunch. And I wore the same one from 2005, the end of 2004, sorry, to 2007. It was a game in August in Miami, a Monday wraparound game where Bonds had just hit, like, I think it was his last home run. And that was on Saturday or Sunday. We played the wraparound game in Miami at Joe Robbie Stadium at the time. And... I'm playing shortstop that night. Next thing you know, I dive in the hole, make the play to get it in my glove. As I come up to throw it, the band had snapped off, and I, I never finished the play. I, something had something had just died again. Something I had held on to for so long. I tried taping it, doing all this, didn't work, didn't whatever. That off season, I got it tattooed on my wrist. Go the distance, never give up. 9-16-04, the day that he passed away. And so every day 
I look at it every day. It's a reminder. I had it placed just above my batting where my batting glove ended. So every time I was at the plate, I saw it. And I never forget. I always believe. Go the distance. Never give up. Oh, wait, I have my Achilles tear. Supposed to be the starting second baseman in San Francisco. My my dreams of everything living up to where, you know, I'd work to. And they kind of end right there. That's that's part of this whole thing. My brother battled cancer for so many years to just give up on, you know, like that that dream. And I did. And I, I, I never gave up on it. I, I kept grinding away and never gave up. Did I become that starter again? No. That doesn't make you. I was a damn good big leaguer. Why? Because I was there. Played for multiple teams. So I never gave up. So fast forward to Wednesday, taking the flight from Philadelphia to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and not knowing what you're really going to feel. People asking, like, what is this all about? The MLB Network had no idea my like just the 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 connection between the field of dreams and me. I told my my boss uh, with them, JSK. Here's the message. It's a text message. It's a it, it's a picture message, and it says, "Oh yeah, this is all it says. Go the distance, never give up." It's a picture of my wrist, and he's like, "This is unbelievable." So we're there. We're talking. We're, we're all imagining Steve Phillips, Eric Arnold, Jacob Stevens-Kittner. It is all about, like, I don't know what I'm going to feel. But I do know that my brother DJ is going to be there. So we wake up, leave at 10 a.m., drive an hour, 15 minutes through the little town of Dyersville. And getting there, we drive through... Corn, and corn, and more corn. Some soy. Got some soy in there, but I've never seen more cornfields in my life. Let alone do I think it's just like an infinite cornfield. And it's beautiful. You're just driving and it's this it's green everywhere, and you're thinking, okay, this is this is awesome. So you're coming over, you take a right, you go over some train tracks get into the little town. Town's starting to buzz a little bit. I don't think it's it's seen that many people in their in their days. And as you pull up to the the Field of Dreams area, like you don't know, you can't really see because there's so much action going on that there, there's cars and now there's uh, chain link fence with some covering on it to make sure that you know just everything's secure. But this white house the white farmhouse it just it, it just felt like the moment where you just you get there and you're like oh i'm here so you walk in you get your credentials you go through you get out and right as you walk out of the metal detectors and everything the field is right there and i'm not talking about the one they built for the game the real field the movie set field it's there. It's small. It's majestic. Pristine. 
it gives you goosebumps the moment you even come near it. I wasn't even 50 feet from it, and I was just, I, it, 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 was, it was as real as it could be. Now, there's about two or three people that were walking on the outfield and, and some news people doing their things and, and all their hits. And I just, like, looking around, and because I have a media pass, I had no idea I could just walk out there. So I'm taking pictures, I'm on the outside, and the next thing you know, I'm like, screw this. Walk out and just stand there at home plate. It feels like a movie as you turn in a 360. You go all the way around and you look at everything that you have seen over and over and over and over again on the movie. The bench, the farmhouse, the rocks, the corn, the strip between home plate and the mound. It's better. It's better than you could ever imagine. So they had the field line. They had everything all just taken care of. I mean, you talk about just perfection. The light standards, they're, they're tiny. But they were those. They, those are the light standards. That cornfield. Now, I will say, I thought the cornfield would be like farther, way farther than it really was. I have a really uh, good ability to tell the truth when it comes to power. Didn't have much. I could have put a lot out on that field. Yeah, I could have been a star if we played every game on that field. Yep. So I would say it's a little bit bigger than a, a Little League. I'm going to take it back. It is probably 300 feet all the way around. That's what it feels like. But never. In my mind, did I think I would be just blown away as much as I was by just being out there? Took pictures, took videos. Only thing I didn't do is go into the cornfields. Wasn't allowed to do that yet at that time. They had that kind of blocked off. But it was an experience right there that I just can't even I can't even fathom like doing again. Because it was just that powerful. It was that perfect. And hopefully I will get a chance to do it again. So we take a little walk, and it's about like a 200-yard walk from the Field of Dreams movie set to the field that the Major League Baseball had built for this game. And you're walking down the path, a little wet, two days of torrential downpours, and you walk into the back area where they have built tents, portables that were now the clubhouses for the the Yankees and the White Sox and the uh, TV broadcasts for the radio broadcasts. There's a there's a room built for um, press conferences and everything. And you walk and you're like this, the stadium that they're building and have built looks cool, looks real cool. And then you walk up the stairs to go up to the press box, and it's all the all the stairs are in the back part of the stadium, so it's really old school feeling. As you walk up these stairs, and you go two flights, and now the third flight, and you know something special is about to happen, and you get to that that last step, and you look out, and it is the coolest 
thing you've ever seen. You got green everywhere. You got the most perfect lush grass that you've ever seen. This is a grass that like no one has even played a game on, not even taken a BP on. Perfect infield. They're watering it. Maybe half of it was done as far as the, the watering. They continue to do it. And you walk closer and closer and you get the feel of everything. Now you got what everyone sees is this wood, old, you know, wood all the way around the walls. When I break it to you, it was all padding that they painted that, right? It was more of signage than anything. And it was like, it looked real. So we're going to leave it as real. Dugouts, all the old wood pallets. And then you look out and you're going, how did they, how are they going to do this fence? How are they going to, oh, it's a chain link fence. Chain link fence with the little padding at the top. Same thing with that wood painting on it. And then the cornfields and the cornfields just endless. But they come right up to that fence. And you're like, this is special. Now, 335 down the lines, both sides, 380 to left center and right center field gaps. And about 15 to 30 feet behind that right center field gap was a scoreboard, a hand-done scoreboard as far as they're going to be putting up the numbers themselves. These kids, they're phenomenal. And it was in that old wood pallet. This one was actually wood pallet. This was not a painted on like they were covering the padding that they had built for Major League Baseball. It would just everything in the cornfield just let up and then it just popped up. There's the scoreboard. Center field, the batter's eye. You talk about a batter's eye that was as grand as anything. It's a huge what looked like a barn, just a barn opening. You're going, This is amazing. And you look to left field and you have well, you gotta get modern with everything. And so you have a giant scoreboard out in left field that just came out of the the corn. The fox booth that's over in left field that they're prepping for their pregame. And you just look around. And everybody that was there and everybody that was getting a glimpse of this for the first time had the same exact look. And that was mouth wide open. I mean, it was an experience that you're never, like, the the first time you see it, it is just like, Oh my God. Like you've never seen a baseball field. Seriously. I I feel I played on the greatest surfaces of my life in the entire world. And it came nothing close to what we saw when we got there. So you go do all your things. You set some stuff down and, and uh, we prepped for a little bit in about 1230, one o'clock. We headed down to the field. Teams were going to take their pictures. One 145. And so then we start our interviews with the guys and I'll be honest, it, so many experiences that we have throughout baseball, watching, seeing, using our eyes, no data could ever explain the feeling that you get, and no data could ever explain the picture of these guys that were coming onto the field for the first time and seeing it, that this is where they're going to play. So many times we've heard about guys complaining about going to, you know, Japan or Australia to play in a game or London. And you're just like, guys, this is, you didn't have any of that here. 
routines were kind of thrown off just a tad. No one cared. It takes, it, for me, it's always been about your leadership, right? So when your leaders and your managers um, are pumped up, excited, and genuinely excited, you get it. Tony LaRussa had to go back. His uh, brother-in-law had passed away, and so he was not going to be in attendance. So Miguel Cairo, longtime big leaguer, um, just overall ridiculous human being. Just love the guy. Played against him quite a bit of years. He sees me, and he's like, Frenzy! And I look at him like, hey, we got you, you're coming on air with us. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta. And I'm like, dude, tell me. What is this? And he just... First thing he says, I wish Tony was here. But this is awesome. And the smile on his face, you could not smack it off him. No, you you can do anything you want right there, and it was not going to take away that that smile. Liam Hendricks, you get the interview with him, and and a guy being from Australia, and you're like, okay, so what is the significance? He goes, oh, you know what's crazy is that, you know, I don't even relate this to my dad. I relate it to my best friend's dad because he's the my, my he goes, My dad was terrible at baseball. So I never really played catch with him, never did all that stuff. I did it with my best friend's dad, and that's who taught me the game. And it's like everybody has a different relationship with the game. You go over and you know, it's like just constant. Every guy that you meet, that guys that are from California, Northern California that I've known for a long time that looked at me and you're like, dude, this is not this is wow. Let alone, we, I don't think any of us had seen that much corn in our lives, but you talk about an experience that you're just, you're looking out and, and you just pinch yourself. You move over to the Yankee side and, you know, the Yankees always get the bad rap of, uh, yeah, we're too good for uh, the every guy. Like, but again, Aaron Boone being a close friend of mine, he, he just, the first thing he, he just said, he was sitting in the dugout just looking out smile not even saying a word just and then he comes up to me and he's like because fran is this the greatest thing ever and i had to admit i'd be like yes it is and i showed booney i was like booney i showed my wrist and he's like i knew it he goes i knew there was something i knew it and he had known my story with my brother we had been buddies for a long time and Got to experience that and understand it and talk to him about it. So his excitement, all his coaching staff, the White Sox coaching coaching staffs taking videos and pictures and everything of the the, the field, walking around, the pictures of them in their old school uniforms, the White Sox, cream pinstripes, cream hats with pinstripes on it, no logo, the Yankees. Like, I'm sorry, the wide NY might be the coolest logo they've ever had in their life. I don't know why they went away from it. Probably for branding reasons, but I don't who cares? It's the best look they've ever had. The experience was just starting. Now it was hot. I went through like 30 bottles of water, but that's fine. Because I sweated on the same field that these other guys did. It was dripping sweat. I was like, this is crazy. I don't care how hot it is. And no one cared how hot it was. And then we get to the opportunity to end it, walk around a little bit, 30 minutes prior to the game, 
get up into the booth and, and sit there, and then the show began. Kevin Costner walking through the cornfields. Now, a little bit more dramatic than I thought it was ever going to be. Uh, he is an actor and a, and a phenomenal one, if that. Uh, but a little dramatic for me. And then, as he turned around from center field and looked back towards the right center field gap, Miguel Cairo, Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge, DJ LeMayhew, Lucas Giolito, Jose Abreu, they emerge. They all emerge from the cornfields. And you get, I, like, it is the most ridiculous goosebumps you'll ever get. Most ridiculous goosebumps you'll ever get. It just kept coming. Just all of the guys coming through, and the production was perfection. They get on to the, the second, in between second and first base for the Yankees, second and third base for the White Sox. Kevin Costner walks through, gives his little speech. National anthem is played and sang beautifully. And then the flyover. Four war dogs coming through and over. And it's, 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 <laughs> you pinch yourself again. So as the game starts and everyone just kind of settling in and you can just feel this energy that never died down. Jose Abreu with the first inning home run. You get a three run home run by Aaron Judge. You get, all this stuff early on, you get the comeback from the the uh, White Sox with a double by Tim Anderson, a three-run home run by Aloy Jimenez. And the game just continues on, and the energy's there. People aren't leaving. People are there. People are just roaming around, not in the back where all the food and the merchandise is. People are watching and going crazy. So it's about the eighth inning. It is now 7-4. Uh, to four. White Sox are ahead. We head down to get into our area of um, the walkway to get into the onto the field, prepping for post game and the post game interview. At this time, uh, Eloy Jimenez was going to be our guy. Um, we thought, but you know, Fox, they were going to get him because Ken Rosenthal, he's the man, so he gets him. So we're going to get Sebi Savala, who hit a home run. His fourth home run of the season, his first, not in the three-home run game. It's the fourth home run of his career. So that catcher is our he's he's on top of our mind. We're like, all right, this is good. And then the comeback happens for the the Yankees. Another Aaron Judge Homer. A two-out, unbelievable walk by Joey Gallo. And then John Carlo. Just wailing away at sliders all night. Liam Hendricks closing out the game. You're like, oh, this is easy. Hanging slider. Gone. Yankees are on top. And to this day, I have never seen a Yankees dugout. That fired up. That crazy. That much energy in it. I'm like, that was wow. And I was right, maybe 30 feet from home plate. At this time, let's go 40. All right, let's get it 40. And so 
Andrew Vaughn, he leads off for the White Sox, down one. And he grounds out. It's Heavy Savala. He's hitting ninth. He's up. And I'm like, look, guys, this is to Steve Phillips, to JSK and Eric Arnold. I'm like, guys, Lauren Gardner's from MLB Network. She was right there, right in front of me. And I said, guys, Savala's going to get a hit right here. He rolls one down the line. Tyler Wade makes an unbelievable play, throws him out. Oh, foul ball. Walks all the way back. Savala walks, ends up walking. Gets like a, I can't remember how many pitches. I was like just so dialed in. I said, first pitch walk off, guys. So I moved JSK over slightly from the right where it was. he was right behind Lauren Gardner. And she's a little shorter. So it was like, I can get a perfect video of this. So I move him over. I said, guys, first pitch grant or first pitch walk off. Brett Gardner's not going to be our our interview anymore. Here we go. I lifted up my phone. First pitch fastball from Zach Britton to Tim Anderson. And it was the most majestic home run ever. The most perfect guy to hit that home run. Tim Anderson, who's been just lambasted by all the old school guys for showing passion and, and love. You talk about a guy that plays like it is his last game every day. A guy that loves playing baseball, Tim Anderson. It was the most perfect thing. You had the the greatest franchise in maybe all of sports history make this crazy comeback in the fields of Iowa. Playing in a game that was scripted off the movie. But there's no there's no script for this ending. As the White Sox walked it off, you go down the field, and I was just around the energy, the 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 celebration at home plate within like 15 feet of it. I've never experienced Anything like that from a fan perspective, let alone a player's perspective. No movie could be scripted like it was. And to find out that Shoeless Joe Jackson, who the movie was written about in Field of Dreams, hit one walk-off home run in his career. One. It was in 1919, the year that the Black Sox scandal happened. Happened in 1919 against the New York Yankees. Again. They can't make it up. It was a day that I feel like I, I spent the entire time with my brother. My family. Without them being there. But you know. Everyone knows. So to me, again, I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity by MLB, by the Phillies for allowing me to go there. Because you never know when the next time you're going to be able to do that. You hope you do. You hope you get to share it with people. But I got to. And it was amazing. And it was one that I'm glad I recorded this for it. because. 
the memories will always last. That experience will always last. But the thing that won't last is that game. And you want it to continue on because the way it was and the way both teams just loved being there. You appreciate it. Then I flew home. And it was like a dream. It was like you fly home and it was like, poof, wake up. Here's reality. <laughs> but coming home to a six-year-old in Tenley, my daughter, and, and my little guy in Dalen, and my wife. And you just give them a hug because you're like that. It was surreal. Like I didn't get to experience it with them, but I feel like with my wife, with Amanda, she knew exactly what I was feeling, what I what I wanted uh, from that experience, and I got it. So hopefully one day we'll be able to take them and and experience the same thing again with them. Hopefully with the Phillies, when they get that game. So. You get home and then you watch the game and you're you're watching the Phillies as Zach Wheeler, the the Cy Young Award leading favorite. Zach Wheeler comes in and guess what? That Cincinnati Reds team, Joey Votto, he's hot right now. And you look back and you go, what could have been? Well, guess what? It's August 14th. You're tied for the NL East lead. There's no way and no reason that this this fire, this this excitement should be gone. These guys fought to get to this spot. They they swept the Nationals. They they salvaged the game in Pittsburgh to sweep the Nationals, to sweep the Mets, and then score four runs in four games. Now it happens, but again, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be lost. The energy should not be lost. Matt Moore goes against Luis Castillo tonight. And for many that are going, why Matt Moore? Well, you know, again, there's not a lot of options right now. And you just hope. There's a lot of hope right now. And one of those is that a lefty could possibly do some damage against this Cincinnati Reds lineup. Possibly. That's the biggest thing. Stay with the squad. Again, tied for first, 60 and 56. 60 and 56, August 14th. Did you think that weeks ago? No, no one did. But they're here, and it's time to believe. And it's time that every single day we give them, as fans, as broadcasters, all our energy and the positive to, to will them. Because I don't know anybody that that's out there that, doesn't want to see a playoff game. I do. And I can't wait. Thanks for joining me right here on Pine Talk for Breakfast. It's been a pleasure being able to speak to you about the experience. Leave a comment at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Until then, peace. Kevin Franzen out of here.
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 